Listeners beware. There's no turning back now. You've entered the Horrorpocalypse Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Horror Apocalypse. We have some special fighters in the ring today. Let's see. First on the fight card, I see here weighing in at 78 pounds, a total height of 4 foot 11, with a record of 42 years on this earth, 24 failed relationships. It is the beast from the upper northeast, the mother from up under. It is Chris. Woo me! I don't know why I'm cheering for that. <laughs> Next up, we got joining us from Florida. It is Florida Man. No, it's Florida Man. No, it is Florida Man. God damn it, Brittany, shut up. It is Bob from Street Chillin' Podcast. So, hey guys, how you doing today? Very good. Thank you for that grand introduction. <laughs> No doubt. The low budget podcast. We appreciate it. <laughs> With low budget facts. I'm not four foot eleven and not seventy something pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Bob, you're gonna be very familiar with our with our layout. We stole half of it from your show. So um we're just gonna go ahead and do the round table and get caught up. So uh we'll start with you since you're our guest today. Uh let's get caught up. What have you been up to? Uh not a whole lot, man. Working, trying to watch some stuff when I get the chance. Um, I've been trying to like work through the Friday the Thirteenth franchise because it's officially summertime, you know. So I've been doing that. Good choice. Um, yeah. And also, there's a there's another podcast I want to give a shout out to. They're called uh, Halloweenies. You guys familiar with them? I have not heard them. No. I am not. Uh, no. They uh, they started out like by reviewing all the Halloween movies, and then they went into uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and now they're doing Friday the Thirteenth. I think they've only done the first four now, um, but the Thirteenth of every month they release uh, like a new review, and they're really like long, really thorough, um, pretty interesting uh, reviews. And they they interview people that uh, you know worked on the movies and stuff like that. So I've been kind of like watching the movies and then listening to their show, uh, you know, like once a month as they release their new episodes. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I've been getting into, getting me through these brutal summer Florida days, you know? Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Did you see today was like 106, uh, was the feel like? Yeah. I work outside, man. I feel it every day. It's rough. (laughs) All right, Chris, uh, what have you you been up to? Oh, you know, uh, apparently not going to the gym to increase my muscle mass, uh, (laughs) and my fragile 78, 78 pounds, 74 pounds. Um, not a whole lot. I've been doing a lot of working, um, pretty much. Uh, I think we watched this movie this week. I don't think we watched anything else. Really? Um, yeah, I think we, well, as far as movies go, but uh, caught up with, what should I, oh, I'm almost done with Legends, um, which I don't know. Do you follow Legends? Anybody follow Legends? Mm-mm. I watched the first episode of the new season, and I have not watched it since. Yeah, I, I won't ruin it for you. It's fantastic. Um, to finish it, absolutely finish it. 
uh, outside of that, that's, that's been it. What about you, sir? I have a long list. Uh, let's see. I have watched Sharkenstein. Uh, yes, it is as fantastic as it sounds. Sweet. We have a uh, low-budget movie on full moon streaming that they decided they wanted to take pieces of killer sharks put them together and make a killer shark the twist is it now has hitler's brain and heart okay yeah continuing on with that i also binged watched and completed the juan origins series on netflix i binge watched and completed the unsolved mysteries uh the new unsolved mysteries on netflix how many episodes is that? Uh, Unsolved Mysteries, I think, was only six episodes. Yeah. Oh, it's not bad. Okay. How, how long are they? Like an hour or are they shorter? About. About oh. an hour each. I was a little disappointed in that, though, I'll be honest, because I was expecting more of the supernatural alien kind of stuff, and that was sure. one episode. The rest were all Unsolved Murders. The best no. episode, right? Yeah, the best episode. <laughs> so... Um, and, oh, and it took place in uh, Massachusetts, Chris, so you're going to want to watch that one. Oh, one of my roommates was, was mentioning uh, that. So that's the one that took place, the only one that took, <laughs> that yeah. took place and had something to do with, with Supernatural. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I also went ahead, since your movie is not going to win the uh, the choices, um, yep. I went ahead and watched Dead of Night. Uh, I watched Mutilator, and I binge-watched and completed Warrior Nun on Netflix. Are you, uh, are you on vacation from work this week? Is None that no no okay all right i just i was just checking that's that's all i, I yeah okay <laughs> so that's me i'm all caught up very nice all right so we actually have uh, a ton of viewers right now so that's pretty good uh let's go ahead and tell them what we are watching today today we are watching uh and well discussing autopsy of jane doe um what was uh I created a paper at work with all the show notes and left it at work. So I'm going to rely on you guys for some sweet, of this. Sweet. Um, what was that? Andre Overdahl was the director of this particular movie. Uh, you guys have any other favorites from him besides this? Uh, Troll Hunter. Have you guys seen that? Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. It's a fun That's movie. Him. It, uh, mm-hmm. it was on Netflix for a long time. It might still be there. Uh, this is the first thing that I saw that he had done and it's, I don't know, giant trolls that are being hunted down. Um, hard to go wrong with it. They actually get kind of deep into the lore of the trolls too, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I know there was like talks about them possibly making a sequel at one point. I don't know if they're actually going to do that now that he's sort of, uh, you know, become who he is, you know, most recently do- doing uh, scary stories, um, you know, produced by Guillermo del Toro, you know, he kind of, Maybe his doors, his options have expanded. You know, he can do kind of whatever he wants, I would think. Well, we could get a, a Troll Hunter 2 with bigger budget. I think we'd have some better looking trolls out of that, too. That'd be pretty cool. Some of them were kind of some of them were kind of cheesy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I want to take a moment before we go too deep. Uh, I completely forgot. We have a new Patreon supporter, and he's actually watching oh. right now. So I want to go ahead and give a uh, very big thank you and shout out to Todd. Um, thank you so much, Todd. I believe Todd is also the one who's given us the theme, the idea for our next episode. Uh, so okay. I want to go ahead and thank him for that as well. And we'll, we'll thank you, Todd. A little more. Yeah, Todd is now our second Patreon subscriber. A few others backed out. So, uh, but <laughs> Todd the Bod, what's up? So, um, we got a. Let's see. Let's jump right into this, guys. Uh, have you seen this before? And would you watch? Would you recommend it? 
Bob? Yeah, I'd seen this a couple of times prior. I definitely re- would recommend it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's um, like the general premise of it is fairly entertaining and somewhat original. It's it's not something that it's like an overplayed horror movie trope or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's it's totally worth a watch and uh, it's relatively accessible too. So check it out. Chris? I agree a thousand percent. Um, I never saw this before. This is my fir- first time viewing. It was tense as fuck. I, when it comes to like that kind of stuff, it, it really did a good, a really good job at like stretching out scenes, uh, the, the slow movements, the slow music, you know, it, it really set an atmosphere for it. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I never noticed it on Netflix before up until we had to watch it. Then all of a sudden it was the very first thing that popped up in my queue. Um, but never even saw it that it was there before. But absolutely. So people should check this out. Cool. What Would about I? you? How about you, sir? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I have seen it before. And um, I think I had seen this mentioned in a couple of other horror groups that I've been on Facebook. And it kind of piqued my interest. And I watched it one night uh, just on a whim and uh, probably a year, year or two ago. Uh, it was. It was very suspenseful, very uh, tense through the whole thing. Uh, except near the end, which we'll we'll get to, but uh, I think at that point I kind of lost the, the tenseness, but it was still very enthralling. I was invested in the characters, I was invested in the story, I wanted to see how this played out. Uh, but yes, I would most definitely go ahead and recommend this one as well. So, hey Terrell, thanks so much. By the way, you're going to be uh, up later on. We've got some voicemails from Terrell we're going to play in our uh, Tales from the Phone Line segment. Uh, don't worry if you can't stay, thanks so much for popping in and saying hi. Um, all right. So who wants to tackle the plot of this movie? Bob, you have the back of the box ready. Um, yeah, I can, (laughs) I can do it. I can do it real quick. Um, plot synopsis is as follows. Uh, a father and son, both coroners are pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who was apparently harboring dark secrets. Dum, dum, yeah, let's let's run through it. Uh, this this movie starts off pretty pretty much with a mystery right off the bat. We've got a beautiful naked woman who seems to be pristine. There is nothing. No, except she's I, dead. Except she's dead. <laughs> uh, and in a hole. <laughs> she, yeah, no no visible marks on her um on her body. There's no bruising. Nothing. She's just half buried under under a house uh so we're already kind of wondering what's going on what's going to happen they gather the body up they bring it to um the morgue where we meet uh two of our our main characters uh we have brian cox playing tommy and uh his son uh emil hirsch playing austin and um did you guys know just a little bit of trivia right off the bat uh brian cox was not the first choice for the role of tommy he should have been. Did Who was the first know. choice? Uh, first choice was actually Martin Sheen. He was up for this role, and like I was, wow. I was talking with my wife last uh, tonight while we were eating dinner, and I was telling her about that, and I was like, "Oh wow, guess what I just found out?" And I said I couldn't see anybody but Brian Cox in this role, 
And no she's like, well, it's because you saw him with, you know, in the role. And that's why, you know, you can't. And I said, no, sometimes you can see a movie and you can put other actors in that role and kind of see how they would fit. I, I don't know what it is about Brian Cox, God rest his soul, but I uh, I couldn't see anybody else in that that role. I completely agree with that. Completely agree. And thinking of Martin Sheen in that role, I not well, that he couldn't do it. Not that he couldn't God do it. I just, I just don't think he'd fit. Oh, Ryan, Ryan Cox is still alive. Soul. Yeah, I was going to say, I said God rest his soul, but I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Sorry. Yeah, when you said that, I was like, wait, did he die and I not know? <laughs> yeah, he's still alive. Okay. Sorry, okay. Brian. That That's on me, boy. That's on me. Uh, <laughs> still breathing. Yeah, uh, Michael, just so you know, you're uh, frozen. I'm frozen. You are. Like I don't know. I kind of like that frozen picture. <laughs> that's the kind of picture they use when they're talking about you on the news. So <laughs> that's the exact type of picture. We just go right up in the corner. <clears throat> Podcast mogul. My <laughs> I've just got that still. <sighs> Why are you being a dickhead fool? Stop being a dickhead. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know that song. I'm too old. Wow. Wait, wait a minute. We're older than you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I guess I don't know that for sure, but I, maybe. I can see the new math in school is working. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yay, DeSantis. DeSantis. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, yeah, they gather up the body. They bring it to the. Hang board. on, hang on. Sorry, I leaned back too far. I hurt my back. I, I need to get up. It's my age. I hope you're Go kidding. Ahead. Oh my god. Seventy-four <laughs> okay. pounds weighing you down. Seventy-four. I know. Doesn't take much. <laughs> anyway, back on track. Um. So yeah, they bring the corpse to to the morgue. Um. Emil uh, is about to, to go out on a date with uh, the very lovely uh, was Ophelia, who plays Emma. Um, they're about to go on this date. Uh, for some reason, Austin's feeling really bad about this whole thing. He decides to stay back and help his dad with the autopsy that, for some reason, needs to be done immediately. They need it done tonight. Um, that's when uh, hilarity and hijinks ensue, and uh, they begin to dissect uh, this woman. They They are... Uh, opening her up they're getting all the the organs out um that's when they start finding some weird stuff some things that don't belong there yeah they kind of they break the uh the autopsy up into segments where they do like an external kind of look and then they go internal and then they go specifically into like the digestive track and then finally they end with like the brain but like each different layer of the autopsy you find out more and more about this mysterious woman um and it's pretty gruesome like each new thing we find out it just gets like more and more gruesome and it's seemingly like more and more impossible like uh you know uh, we find out that her tongue was cut off at one point and her eyes are totally fogged up which is something that's indicative of someone who's been dead for quite a while but her body looks you know like she's just died you know a few minutes ago uh, which is kind of confusing and uh, they actually go inside of her and her lungs are like charred black like blacker than is really possible um various scarring on all of her internal organs but there's no external puncture wounds so that's like seemingly impossible how did that happen um 
it's just sort of like confounding to find all of these things and you're on the journey with them, you know, um, Michael Cox's character at one point says like everybody, um, like has like a secret. Some of them just like hide them better than others. And this one is like hiding the hell out of a secret. And we're just trying to figure out what happened. Um, I don't know. It's fun to go on the ride with them though. The whole journey of them dissecting this woman sort of makes the movie you know they really deliver on the title so to speak um, that's that's one of the things that i, I really enjoy um th this is an example of one of my favorite types of movies i love and I, I think you guys got me thinking about it on one of your episodes a, a movie where it, you're locked into a, a small area you know, I, I say it from time to time. Twelve Angry Men is one of my favorite movies because yeah. you're in a you're in a room. You have all your characters right there. You're kind of forced to um, become one of these characters. You you are now a member of the group, and that's kind of what I liked about this movie as well. Although it takes place in three or four rooms, it's all underground in the morgue, and it's always the same two to three you know people in the scene you're forced to to link with them you're 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 now invested in these characters you're invested in the autopsy you're invested in what the fuck was that sound you're invested in all these aspects of it because it's so small it's so centralized and i i love that yeah definitely it's like a a bottle movie so to speak where you're really relying on the the character's performance because there's there's not much external information coming in because we're all in this one room together for the majority of the movie um and that's why you want brian cox in the movie you know because he can he can carry a movie like that emil hirsch too you know not no slight against emil, emil hirsch at all but you know brian cox yeah. come on he's a heavyweight or, or the naked i mean she carried that movie all the way that's right yeah she helped keep me invested too I, i'll say that um <laughs> to derail us just a second, I promised somebody when they popped on and made themselves known that I would actually do something. So uh, for those listening uh, to this, weeks later after Chris sends me the, the file, I'm going to go ahead and do something for everyone on Facebook. I promised uh, Stephen that I would try watermelon-flavored hint water. I don't know what this is, but he got just it. and I Flavored water? Just flavored. I guess it has a hint of watermelon. Oh. So first time tasting this. Let's let's see. Just a hint. Cap looks mm. weird. And I dribble it all over my chin. <laughs> it's very sexual. I'm turned on. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> Thank you. For Stop that. it! You're turning Kevin on. Thank you. Uh, okay. What this tastes like, and just so everybody knows. Uh, it tastes like water that somebody took a slice of watermelon and waved it over the glass. <laughs> there you go. There you go Just a hint. Just a hint. So anyway, back on track. Um, <laughs> so you, you, what were some of the things that they, they pulled out of this body? I remember the, the Jimson flower. Yeah. yeah. There was a bag with a tooth in it. What tooth was that? It was her tooth that they, uh, when they found that there was a missing tooth in her mouth, and when they opened up her stomach and pulled out the pouch, her tooth was inside the pouch. Gotcha. Did we ever find out? Uh, I remember the the pouch was actually uh, something as well. When you unfolded, it was deeper it, meaning. 
Yeah, it had the, the symbol in the middle and then all the numbers and symbols mm-hmm. along the edges. Um, if I remember correctly, they folded it up and it was, was it something from Leviticus? It was yeah. something from Leviticus and it also gave a year. Um, yeah. So it said where to, the way to read in Leviticus and it also said pretty much what year this woman is from. Oh, wasn't this like the 1600s or something like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't so it, was, it was like 1683 or something like that. Okay. Um. So uh, let's let's see. So we, we're continuing on. I, I think my favorite part in this this whole movie, though, is when um, Emma comes down and her and Austin, she wants to see the dead bodies. And let's be honest, I think I would probably be right there with her. I'd want to see if I got a chance to be in a morgue. I would want to see that. <laughs> as I wouldn't. Well. I'd be out. No, no. You'd be no. out. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> Chris, I I'm right with you. Oh, I'd okay. be holding your hand, walking right up, going, <laughs> "Let's pick one." <laughs> Awkward. What's behind door number three? <laughs> no, a corpse. <laughs> you just fucked the wrong virgin. But anyway, um, so yeah, uh, so they they walk up and she's kind of she picks one and uh, Austin opens up the complete opposite door. He goes to a different one and pulls that one out because he knows she died. This person died a, a sort of peaceful death. It's not going to be as gruesome as the one that she picked. And uh, they pull him out. Uh, she's like, no, that's not it. I don't want to see that one. I want to see this one. And when they pull that one out, I forget the name of the, the person, but they, they pull that one out. Lewis. And we see right off the bat, there's a little bell tied to the, the toe. Mm-hmm. So we know something's going to come with this. And um, they're, they're talking about how he shot himself. And uh, she starts asking, well, how do you know? They go through the whole explanation. And then it's, um, well, why did he do it? Uh, 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 we don't we don't delve into that. We just find out how we don't care about the whys. That's the police job. And that was fun. I, I enjoyed yeah. how they they, they kind of made it known right there. That's not our job. That's not our job to try and figure it out. What we do is our job. That was great. We actually had a conversation like that at work today about how to separate what you what you like and what you do compared to what you need to do for your job. So that was fun. I thought my boss was going to fire me today, but that's a whole separate story. Uh, <laughs> Glad he did not fire you. Yeah, he comes up and he's like, um, you know, hey, have you ever had to fire somebody before? <laughs> yes, I have. Are you was asking me how you? to fire me? Is <laughs> <laughs> it hard for you? No, it wasn't. What are you getting at, Steve? So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to do it right now, what would you say exactly? <laughs> Into this tape recorder, please. $10,000 severance pay. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, so at that point, we know something's going to happen. That's always, you know, foreshadowing. As soon as you see something like that, we know that's going to play into the story, and it plays into it in a very fun way. Brian Cox plays around with her, um, tells her the whole story of what the bell is for, how you, um, a long time ago, you couldn't tell the difference between coma and death. So they tied the bell around them. And that was how you knew if the foot was moving or the bell was ringing, they're not in a, they're not dead. They're in a coma. Um, so, uh, he's telling her that story. She leans in to see the, the, um, the gunshot wounds. It was at that point he jiggles the the corpse's foot, which I thought was really hilarious too, because that's something I would do. I would jiggle a corpse's foot to scare somebody. But um, <laughs> now that plays in later on, though. Once they're dissecting this uh, this corpse, uh, things start going weird. You guys remember what was what was uh, going weird? Chris, you want to fill us in on that one? 
there was something weird here. I thought every, I thought it was just a normal night. They finished the autopsy and went home. Pretty normal. Yeah. Just yeah, pretty normal night. What movie did you guys watch? No, um, so <laughs> no, I think the first thing that they noticed is um, the father, uh, Brian Cox, is hearing footsteps, if I remember right. Um, right before they make the first incision and in which blood comes pouring out, which is not something that's supposed to happen in a corpse. Um, blood's supposed to be kind of stagnant. It's not supposed to come pouring out as if it was beating, as if it was being pumped through the veins. Uh, that's the first thing that they notice. Oh, that's it? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. The, oh, no, <laughs> sorry. And the peat. The peat underneath her uh, underneath her yeah. nails. That was uh, uh, completely forgot about that. That was actually the first thing I think they noticed was yeah, the but... uh, uh, the fact of where they were in Virginia, that kind of that kind of soil wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. You know, we had um, the, the soil in her hair and her fingertips, which didn't match what was under the house. Yep. You had uh, the blood. There was no blood pool uh, settling in her. There was no um, rigor. Uh, so rigor mortis hadn't yep. set in yet. Uh, which that was one of the things I noticed almost immediately. They're pulling the body out, they're putting the body on the, the stretcher, loading it up, and then, you know, pulling her into the, the exam table. Um, it, the body was just very fluid, very movement. And uh, which, by the way, the uh, woman who played the corpse, what was her name? That was uh, Olwen, Olwen Kelly. Uh, I was really amazed, for one, that well, you kind of had to have a, a a real person do it, uh, but I was curious how they were going to do it because if what am I trying to say? When you watch a movie, I don't know if you guys are like me, but when you watch a movie and you see a dead body, I don't care if it's in the background, if it's part of the foreground, it's it's the subject looking for the breathing. You watch for the breathing, exactly. Yeah. Do you guys do that too? Sometimes, yeah. I try to ignore excuse it. me. Sometimes, yeah. You, you try to ignore it. Yeah. That, you know what? It. That's probably for the best, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most most of the people I know try to ignore it until we watch movies together, and then I start pointing that shit out. But uh, <laughs> she's alive, exactly. Um, but she did it amazing. I didn't see anything like that this whole movie. And uh, I did read an interview with her today in, in prepping for this. It's one of the things I do remember from my notes that I left at work. Um, that she credited, uh, she practices yoga all the time. And that helps her with her breathing technique and to be still and focused. So I thought that was really awesome. Uh, she played a corpse. Great. And she had the, the best line in the whole movie. Do you guys remember what her line was? Uh, I don't think it was anything. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Made you think for a second there. Like, wait, she had a line? I don't know. <laughs> At the very end, it was boogie, 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 boogie. That was it. That's all she said. So let uh, let me ask you guys. There was a lot of stuff that happened in this movie, even though it was it was a short, not not a short movie, but but not a, a two hour feature. It was it was a shorter movie, and it was it took place in a very small area. But there was a lot that they crammed into that. What was some of your your favorite things uh, of this? I mean, we we haven't even discussed the whole what happened per scene, but uh, I just want to get to my favorite part. So, what was some of your favorite stuff? You uh, may go first. Yeah, yeah, go for it. No, no, I said you may go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, really, just like the entire autopsy scene. I mean, each thing that they come across gets like creepier and creepier. 
Um, I, I guess if I had to like pick my, my absolute favorite scene is where they finally bring it all together and they take that the little piece of like parchment that was holding the, the molar inside of her stomach that they extract. And they're, you know, they're looking at it underneath like a magnifying glass. And at one point they, they sort of fold it in half. And then that's when it finally spells out Leviticus and they pull up uh, the, the uh, chapter verse in the Bible. And it says something about witches. I don't know what the exact uh, verse is. Um, but essentially all the pieces come together at that point and you find out that this is a corpse of a witch but it, she's not dead yet. And that like sort of realization lands this whole plane and makes everything kind of make sense. And I kind of, I, I, I love that idea of a movie, like a witch movie, but it's like a, it's like a ghost witch or a corpse of a witch. I don't know. It's just, it's something interesting to ponder on. And I like how they brought that to fruition, I guess. That's probably my favorite scene. Well, I think he pretty much summed that up. So uh, we can wrap this up now. And uh, I'm going to go watch American Dad. So good night. You talk about that. Just talk about American Dad. <laughs> well, the, the Leviticus verse was uh, a man also uh, or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Uh, so it does. I think it continues on um, a little more after that, talking about how, you know, the condemning them as, as witches. Um, so yeah, that, that was, uh, part of my favorite, uh, Chris, did you have anything that you were a big fan of? I, I did actually. And it's right as we're getting more towards the end of it. So after they realize that she's the one controlling all of this and that they're kind of brought it upon themselves by, you know, doing, performing the autopsy and he's looking at her and right in the eyes and he's like, don't hurt him just take me don't hurt him and immediately following his wrist shatter his feet shatter he starts getting the same markings that she had on her body i for me i was like that's awesome that was absolutely awesome i really enjoyed that mm -hmm. um aside from the fact of just has been said you know the uh all the little things that were building up to it like it was so well paced and it was so uh tense during the entire time you know um it, it that's what that's what i'm going with that's what i'm going with okay yeah i that was part of mine as well um my favorite part of this movie is the whole movie <laughs> i mean the movie is, <laughs> it, is you're great. right it, it is hard it is hard to pull it apart like that because it's very good i think uh my favorite part though is the the walking corpse you know, the, the bell toe, the bell. Um, yeah. Cause you, you hear it and you know immediately what that is, but you, you're kind of yep. with them. You're, you're kind of thinking there's, there's no way this is real. There is no freaking way that corpse is now up and walking. And then you hear the ding, 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 ding. And you're thinking, well, yeah, that's what it is, but how, and just the way it played out and then seeing it in the mirror and creeping through the, the fog and uh, the, the smoke and stuff like that. Every scene that we had with that, that walking corpse as a zombie fan, I was really excited to see a walking corpse, but um, just everything about that was just so tense and so uh, gripping that I was, I was enthralled through this whole movie. I, I, I loved it. 
Um, but yeah, we, we've got we've got all kinds of stuff that happens still uh, during the autopsy. They when they finally put everything together and they realize that's what what's happening. This woman is a witch. She's haunting us. What was real quick? I'm sorry, guys. The thing when they they pull open her chest and then they skin her and they, they lay yep. it down. We've got the tattoo um, on the inside of her skin. Was that yeah. the same that was on the parchment? It looked one like of it. the symbols. Yeah, one of the symbols was definitely one of the ones that was on the parchment, but the rest of it looked like it was probably other like supernatural warding type stuff or whatever. Okay. Um, let me ask you guys something. We know ritual and things like that are not, I mean, uh, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but during, let's say the Salem Witch Trials, for example, they had certain things that they did that they, they tested to see if you were a witch um, and then the punishment, burning at the stake, hanging, various things like yeah. that. I don't remember hearing anything about drawing symbols and trying to lock them in. That almost seemed like a form of necromancy to me. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, you could do, you could say that. You could. It is confusing in a way because, like, you kind of assume that the only reason that she is still alive and her body is preserved is due to her own will because she is the one that has you know supernatural powers allegedly because she's a witch and the people who are torturing her and attempting to kill her are not witches or wizards or whatever they're just normal people who don't agree with whatever she's up to and they're trying to kill her so i don't yeah it seems like she would have done these things to herself to keep her alive in some capacity but at some point also brian cox says you know like she's still alive so she's still feeling all of this pain you know and then they go and like cut her open and like you know rip her her ribs out of her body and she's feeling all this stuff uh so i don't know like is she just willing to endure that pain in order to inflict pain on others like i i, I don't know exactly what the motivation for a witch to do this to herself would be other than to just like try and seek some vengeance uh, over the years or decades or centuries, even though she herself will be suffering along the entirety of the way, you know, like, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze exactly, but it's interesting to ponder. Maybe she's just that dark, that twisted, you know? It's one of the things that Brian Cox said towards when they were figuring everything out is that the Salem, uh, he specifically says something about the Salem witch trials, basically saying, yeah, but nobody was really convicted or, or nobody was really, no one was really a witch. And then pointed out saying that they made her what they wanted to make her or something of that nature, saying that she wasn't a witch. What they did to her made her a witch. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Like it's, it's, yeah, the Salem witch trials, everyone knows about them, but no one, like everyone knows there was no such thing as a witch, but there was apparently then, you know, there was, there's always a little bit of fact in, in, in hit or uh, in stories and stuff like that. So maybe that's uh, where they're going with that. Um, and that <laughs> Steve is very possible. Steven, she may be in the upside down. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my they takeaway. On what they feared. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty cool yeah. way to look at it too. He said it was like something similar to that is what he said. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, Michael? Uh, you got another read on this? It's I guess I there's would, a couple different ways you can interpret it. 
I was kind of wondering. He's got, a, he's got his well, thinking face on. Yeah. Well, no, I was, I was trying to, to come up with a, a more uh, enticing background here. Um, but no, I, I was I was kind of wondering myself, uh, the more I thought about the movie, well, the more I kind of put two and two together. Um, was my maybe, maybe she did that all to herself because she knew the, the broken wrists and the broken ankles do play in part to what we know of how they they would torture a witch but everything else seemed to be more of a witchcraft kind of aspect of it so i was wondering if maybe that was her protection because she knew she was going to get caught she was going to get tortured and she was going to get killed nobody ever survived all that so she kind of prepped and was ready for that um so that kind of played into it as well and that's part of what i love so much about this movie is you have so many um interpretations i don't think this movie has a a steady line from beginning to end and everything fits in that that line i think there's there's some things that deviate and it's way open to interpretation i don't think it's written in black and white as to what it's supposed to be yeah it's it's interesting to try and uh read into this movie figure out what it's trying to do because like the villain is you know, uh, speechless, but also motionless, just lying mm-hmm. on a table like the entire movie. You know, we've got uh, villains, you know, Michael Myers, Jason, whatever, they don't say anything, but, you know, they're moving around killing people and you can see that what they're doing. Like this, I don't know, it's just an interesting way to tackle a movie and have a villain just like literally just lie there. And I guess she at some point inhabits the bodies of, you know, the other corpses and moves around in a more spiritual sense. Um, but we don't really know why, you know, you right. can, you can read into it, but we don't really know what's, there we go. that's a nice eye. We're gonna... what, what is going on over there? <laughs> a lot of graphics happening Oh, on this oh, audio playing... podcast. Yeah. He's, he's, he's playing with <laughs> visual toys. <laughs> there, now you, now you can't see me. So that's good. Uh, uh, you know what? Wow, that is the best looking picture you've ever taken. Um, see, our, our viewership has uh, gone up now too. Look at that! It's wow. gone up. <laughs> it's all for the eye, the glassy gray eye. Well, we. Hey, uh, go ahead. Uh, real, real quick, just to answer Stephen right there, I would okay. love to actually see a prequel. I would. It would put so many dots together with this, and I know I would be able to sleep better at night knowing I know what happened. What? <laughs> so. What if this was a trilogy where the witch was the first installment and then there's a second movie that hasn't been made yet and then this is the third in the trilogy? So this is Star Wars is what you're saying? Yes, let's Star Wars the shit out of this. (laughs) Okay, let's start with four, five, and six. Then 20 years later, let's do one, two, and three. Now let's wait another 10 years and we'll give you the end of it. But we don't really like the end of it, so let's scrap it. What was that? <laughs> Stephen King here? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. George Lucas, they're all doing blow in the 80s. Who knows? <laughs> they're all doing blow off each other's backs. That's that's exactly. what was happening. <laughs> Sorry. If you ever get rid of that, I'll leave you. <laughs> that's so great. Um so you let, let's let's kind of bring this into the home stretch here. Uh everything in this movie uh, all it led up to the to this the big scene where we find out that the witch is around. She's still alive. Leads to Chris's favorite scene of of her kind of stealing the life force from uh, Brian Cox oh, and kind of healing herself and, and reanimating. 
um well no she i'm sorry she doesn't reanimate that's the wrong word um comes back Healing to yourself was, was right I, though I guess. yeah um they i mean they beat the the hell out of her they they set her on fire they chopped off uh her they opened her chest up they burton like snipped her chest plate out her breastbone um they, they filleted her i mean they they did everything wrong to her that you could possibly do um right down to the uh the cotton swab that we knew was coming yeah. part of the whole thing but when they did it i felt very uneasy i'm like oh god no because now we know she's alive well not alive but we know she's she's what's the hell word she's living she's <laughs> yeah, yeah she's, she's uh she exists i don't know she's conscious i guess maybe is the best way to put it mm-hmm. yeah we'll go with yeah, that. Yeah. she's conscious she's feeling it she knows she's aware uh, I guess is what I'm getting at here. I felt like uh, Seamus from Family Guy. She, she, she's aware, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, <laughs> so uh, that made me feel very uncomfortable. I could only imagine what she was thinking when all this was going on. Um, they decide they're going to burn the body. They can't get her to the, the incinerator, so they try to burn her right there. Burns everything else in the room except her. Uh, the fire goes out. Um, then we By start... The way. I have to interrupt you for half a second as somebody who, who works in the fire industry and I was watching the fire extinguisher. I was like, Nope, that ain't happening. Nope. 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 This movie's completely unreal. I'm done. Yeah. So, um, so we're going through all of that. Uh, then starts the fun stuff. She starts re you know, reaching out. She's animating the, the dead. Uh, what killed the cat by the way? I mean, I know I Brian Cox did it, but what what injured the cat? I don't no. think we ever saw it, yeah. but we're kind of assuming it was her. Somehow, okay. some way, maybe she yeah. like I don't know, possessed a rat or something, and the rat bit the cat. I, I don't know. I you know that's actually great that you said that. I was going to say that because they they did um, show that the the cat was a rat catching cat. Yeah. So it's very possible maybe she did something to a rat and had the rat attack the cat, you know, type she of thing. She reanimated the dead rat. That's totally oh. what happened. That's I, zombie that rats. would make sense. Zombie rats. All right. That's, I like that. That's a good, good. Uh, I want to see your movie. That, that sounds good. Zombie <laughs> <laughs> rats coming out 2021. Check it out. <laughs> Kane says he feels like the cat was in the fire. Uh, that's before the fire, though. Yeah, that was before the fire. Yeah, that that was um, before the fire. Because he burns the cat after, yeah. after yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we, we've got all these things that, that lead up to it. And then the, the corpses are walking. Um, and then we've got that scene. I don't understand how she got back down there. But um, Austin's, it was Austin, uh, Tommy, who, uh, Emil, uh, his girlfriend comes back. And they think they're being pursued by uh, Belto, and um, it, it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then Brian Cox just wails her with the hatchet, and that's when we find out. Nope, it's it's Emil's uh, girlfriend Emma. Um, that for me it started. I started planning out the ending at that point. I'm like, okay, they've now got him for murder because his hand, his fingerprints are going to be all over that axe. 
Now, then later on, when he makes that, uh, Brian Cox makes the deal with the witch and she starts stealing the life essence and he uh, figures out he's going to betray her. He's found the way uh, to kind of sever. He's made a deal with her. Uh, She can't kill. She can't kill the the son. Um, So here's here's how we're going to do it. I need you to kill me. And uh, at that point, there's the the out. And the son kills uh, Brian Cox. And now now we're looking at now here's the the, the plot. The father kills the, the son's girlfriend. The, the son gets revenge and kills the father. And the, the son has an accident and breaks his neck. That's how it's going to play out. That's how it's going to look on the report. And that's how I was seeing it play out. But then the the sheriff comes in at the end and is like, well, shit, now what do we do? So, <laughs> like there was no discussion after that. Uh, did you guys kind of follow the same path that I did, or did you have a different path? Yeah, I didn't really know how it was going to end, honestly. I I kind of was on board with it until we got the reveal, and then it, it, it kind of just reverted to, like, paint by numbers almost on the very end. I wasn't totally sold, like, with the jump scares. Um, I don't know. Whenever Brian Cox, like, you know throws the axe out the elevator door and it turns out to not be the uh, bell toe zombie and it, it's Emil Hirsch's girlfriend. That was surprising. I didn't really see that coming. Um, but other than that, it was, I feel like it was just kind of paint by numbers, you know, like you, you feel like they're, they gotta die because the way the movie opens is with, uh, you know, th- this corpse being uncovered from the basement of another family's home and everybody that was in the home was dead one of the cops says it looks as though nobody broke in but in fact the family was trying to break out um so as soon as we get a sense of brian cox and mill hersh's character trying to like break out like okay this is exactly what happened to this other family they're totally gonna die in here they're gonna be trapped they're gonna die um I guess another thing that was kind of surprising to me was, uh, you know, over the radio throughout the the course of the movie, uh, when they're doing the autopsy, we hear that there's like this huge storm rolling in, uh, you know, you can hear thunder going on and they're talking about how this is terrible storm happening. Um, and at the very end of the movie, we come back to the radio, uh, I think in the ambulance when they're driving away with the, the corpse in, in the back of the truck again. Um, they say it's like the third straight day of like the most beautiful sunshine they've ever had. So like that storm did not exist at all. Uh, she was controlling the radio somehow and like, you know, uh, playing with her fears. And because of that storm, a tree allegedly fell over onto the, the basement doors, which was holding, uh, pressure and Emil Hirsch couldn't like get through it all. None of that was real, which is super interesting to consider that, he could have opened those doors if he really wanted to, but something was happening in his brain. She was manipulating him somehow to where he thought he could, but there was no tree that fell over at all. Um, so there's some interesting psychological stuff happening for sure. Uh, but as far as like the jump, stare, jump scares uh, go in this movie, they didn't really land. They were a little paint by numbers. The movie's not really too scary. It succeeds in its... Uh, I don't know. It's overall plot that like the, the conceit of the movie is what really sells it. Um, and you know, the first half of the movie where they're just dissecting this corpse is so much fun. Like I could watch it over and over again and just not get tired of it. Uh, but yeah, the, the ending gets a little bit flat for me, I guess. Sorry yeah, for the rant. Okay. No, no, that's perfect. That, that's exactly <laughs> what I, I was saying before when we first rolled this out was everything was great up until the end. I, I thought the end is where it kind of lost me. 
Um, but let's talk about that then. Let's let's rate this bitch then. Let's let's finish it up. Um, uh, Bob, we're pretty much the same as you on a scale of one to five. Go ahead and take it away. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna give the autopsy of Jane Doe a three out of five. Um, it does a lot of stuff really good. It does a few things kind of mediocre. Um, nothing. I don't know that it does anything really bad. Nothing happens in this movie that like really really felt like a dud um the performances across the board are solid um the movie's competently made uh, you know there's some solid tension that's built up especially throughout the first half of the movie um you know you feel kind of on edge um because each step of the autopsy is more baffling than the, the last and you're just constantly being con- more and more confused you know, trying to figure out what's happening putting the puzzle pieces together and at no point when i was watching this did i ever consider like oh this is a witch never thought it at all um so i like that i like all of that quite a bit um when it tries to go like full-fledged scary it just doesn't work though i it's hard to it's hard to pull off a good jump scare. I feel like they earned it. You know, they set up the scares with the 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 little bell on the toe. And of course you expect to see it later and you do. But I don't know, man. It's just maybe they showed you too much up front to where it didn't scare you on the back end. It, it's hard to really articulate why it didn't land. Or maybe I've just seen too many James Wan movies who's like the total freaking master of the jump scare. But for whatever reason, it's just not scary. Um and also, they kind of advertise the ending at the very beginning, which, you know, it, it, it takes, it removes some of the stakes, which also makes it less scary. So they kind of do it, the movie does itself some disservice, I think. Um, but again, the original, like, conceit of it and the way that they pull off the whole autopsy is really just super, super entertaining. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. So three out of five from me. Looks like Todd gives it a solid uh, three as well. Nice. Uh, Chris, what about you? I actually also gave it a three. Um, I agree with every single point of, well, I was going to make it easy and say every single point. Uh, there's some things I disagree with on, on what he was saying. The tension of it, for me anyway, I'm, I'm not the super horror watcher like you are. So uh, I'm not as desensitized to it i, I want to say i mean uh, i know you can you can sense a jump scare coming a mile away mm. but uh, depending on the movie but um even when you're prepared for it sometimes it still gets you um it got me twice in in it uh last night i'm, I'm not gonna lie like it, even though i knew it was gonna come it still it still got me because it showed up um it did a really good job of keeping it tense uh the effects of them cutting into her I forgot that it was it was there was like CGI in it. I forgot that there was that this wasn't a dead body. Um, I thought that was really really well done. Uh, yeah, they do kind of give away the ending in the beginning of the movie, but I personally did not see that coming. Um, I didn't expect it was going to be everybody slaughtered. I I really thought it was going to be the the kid left over, now screwed, probably crazy because of everything that happened. Um, I didn't expect he was going to he was going to bite it too. But uh, that's my take. But I, I'm still giving it a three. Uh, pretty solid. Th- hey, there she is. Uh, <laughs> pretty uh, solid three for me. Hey, zooming in. <laughs> <laughs> the 
is that what the is that why this thing's called Zoom? Is that why? I think so. Michael, what do you give it? Out of five? Yeah. Um, uh, let me just play around with my background a little bit here. Okay. Um, I, you know what? I, I was re listening to you guys and your your view. Um, everybody, even Kane, just dropped uh, dropped in and said he gives it a solid three. Also, he feels like the setup had it completely missed the actual mark. It's sad, but it was a good movie as a whole. Um. So we've got like four or five people here giving it a three. I'm coming in at a four. Um, and I mean, Bob, I sent you a picture of my, my board. So, you know, <laughs> I had that written in there. Um, I, I give it a four, a, a solid four. I thought I wasn't anticipating any jump scares. I was more because you're not going to I really wasn't expecting a jump scare from a dead body. Uh, I could see where it would come in, definitely. Um, you know, just sitting up in the the table, yeah. There's there's tons of opportunities for jump square, jump scares. Um, yeah, as Todd said, half star for the obvious too. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, there were tons of opportunities where they could have done a jump scare, but they didn't. It was more the suspense, the letting your own mind kind of paint the horror that they could be there. And was it there? Wasn't it there? That was all part of that. So I felt it did that very well. The only movie to ever really kind of make me grip the seat of my chair and make me think uh, I was kind of scared was Pang Brothers The Eye. And this movie came in right behind that. I think this was done very well. Um, they... Uh, it, Jump swears. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was done very well. Uh, very tense. Very suspenseful. I love Brian Cox. I don't think I've seen anything bad from Brian Cox uh, ever. I feel like he's my grandpa. Um, <laughs> I, I loved it. Your I, living grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. Ow. But yeah, I give it a, a strong, solid four. Definitely. All right. <laughs> So this actually brings us to a new, uh, well, not new for us. You guys that watch Bob over on Straight Chillin' Podcast, which if you don't, if you haven't listened to them, go check them out. It's a fantastic podcast, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, actually, probably my second favorite, right behind us. I, I have to keep <laughs> us first, but uh, I listen to you guys more than... I put than us third. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to you guys more than any other podcast out there. So thank you guys so much thank for... You you know, helping us as, as well. I, f I feel honored that you guys are part of us. Um, but uh, they have a segment over there where they get to go cooter hunting. Bob, you want to tell us all about cooter hunting? Yes, let me explain. Uh, so on Straight Chilling each week, uh, we talk about a new movie. And in that movie, we try to pick a cooter of the week. What a cooter is, is just a character type that we have sort of identified over the years and narrowed down. Um, so in order to be considered a cooter, you have to hit three of the five cooter marks. Um, so we rate a cooter based off their general attire. Usually a cooter is dressed up in a very bizarre way. Um, they're often sexually deviant as well. Um, they tend to be very smug or arrogant. Um, they also tend to be very manipulative and sometimes they are very pathetic. So those are the five points. You got to hit at least three. Not every movie is going to have a cooter in it. A lot of them do though. Um, so in this movie, I don't know. Do you guys think there's a cooter? Maybe not. What do you got? Any suggestions? I have a, I have a suggestion. <laughs> 
Okay. What you got? Jane Doe. She's the cougar. Not a bad suggestion. So uh, we can run down the five points, see if she hits at least three. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we got. A tire. She has none, which very well could, right. could give see? her a point. Yeah. And that goes right to sexual deviancy. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because how could you be afraid of this woman who is naked, appears to yep. have just died. She's a corpse laying on a table. Can't be afraid of her, right? So that's also manipulation. She's manipulating yep. you <laughs> right there. So bam, bam, bam. That's a tire sexual deviancy manipulation. Is she arrogant? I don't know. I guess that's, that's kind of hard to tell, maybe, yeah. for debate. She may be really, really sure of herself at being able to kill the people in the room. For that could be considered years. arrogant. That's true. She's been dead for like 150 years <laughs> and still killing people. So yeah, you got to be pretty sure of yourself, I guess. I, I would think so. Um, pathetic. I don't know that. I don't know that she's really pathetic. Anyway, yeah. she's, she's got at least three, maybe even four out of five. Jane Doe, I think, probably fits the cooter profile as the cooter of the week. Is there anybody else that could beat Jane Doe? We got Brian Cox, Emil Hirsch, uh, the girlfriend character, the police officer that comes in. They all hit a point or two. Um, uh, Emma, I think, was pretty manipulative. Um using her feminine wiles to get to see the corpse. Um, uh, I, I think um, Emile Hirsch's character fit the uh, the dress profile, just sloppy. Um, but no, I, I, to be honest, I don't think even Jane Doe hits, hits all of them. I mean, they're... <coughs> wow, that was loud. <laughs> they, Sorry, they, I tried to move too. Sorry. <clears throat> arguably yeah she does hit the points but i i wouldn't even put her up as, as a cooter but you two you guys uh both put her as a cooter i feel pretty confident about it yeah definitely yep. strong sexual deviance strong manipulation the attire i mean i guess she has to be nude because they're doing an autopsy but i don't know it's hard to it's hard to land yeah. Solid on two, though. Solid mm. on two. I, I'm All willing right. to give it to her. All right. Sounds like it. our cooter. I, I think she earned it. I feel it. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like our cooter for autopsy of Jane Doe is poor Jane Doe. <laughs> Ghost Witch, cooter of the week, Jane Doe. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to, to our segment. Double, double feature. Double feature. 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 This segment, we um, try to make it a double feature. What would we pair with this movie for a double feature night? Um, you want me to go first, or would one of you like to go ahead and jump in? Yeah, well, why don't you take it, Michael? What do you got? All right. For me, uh, I was going to pair this one with The Taking of Deborah Logan. Uh, I like a movie where you did not everything is spelled out for you. You know, you still have the suspense. Uh, was... Was she real? Was she possessed? Was it all um, mental illness? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, so this is pretty much a suspense night with full interpretation leading to all kinds of discussions kind of like this. So I would think uh, for um, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe would pair very well with taking a Deborah Logan. Nice. Good pick. Okay. Who wants to okay. go next? 
You're the boss. My, you... I was gonna say mine's absolutely ridiculous. So you can you can go and then we'll end with mine being absolutely stupid. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, I think I'm gonna go with a movie called Last Shift from 2014. Uh, that particularly was because it's like a bottle book. kind of movie, like we were talking about how the vast majority of uh, Jane Doe takes place in like one room. Uh, that's very much the case for Last Shift. It's basically about a, a rookie cop, and, um, and she's she's manning uh, this police station on the last night of its operation. It's going to close down the following day, um, and a lot of creepy things start happening. She gets these bizarre phone calls, and she, she sees these strange visions, um, and she's trying to figure out what's real and what's not, and it's... Uh, it's got some solid gore, some pretty good scares, um, and I think it would pair pretty well with the autopsy of Jane Doe. I recommend it. It definitely was on Netflix, too. Um, I'm not sure if it is still, uh, but check it out. Last Shift. That was filmed in Florida also, so that's uh, it's got some bonus that. points from us. Yeah, nice. It was like Winter <laughs> Park or Lakeland or something. It was no down way. I had no Florida. idea. Yeah. yeah, I was really excited to hear about that one. Or maybe it was up by you. I don't know. I know it was in Florida, though. I remember that. That's really cool. <laughs> and Chris, what is your absolutely ridiculous one? My absolutely ridiculous one, uh, the one I originally had picked, I'm not even going to bother with because it was it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I'm actually going classic on this one. Uh, I feel that this movie, and maybe it's just because of the tension level of it and the supernatural uh, uh, level of it, uh, but Poltergeist. Uh, for some reason, I could see myself watching this than watching that. Um, it does have that level of supernatural. Uh, it does have a pretty good tension going going throughout it. It does have some jump scares. Um, I think it would it would pair well. I think it would fit. Okay. Well, we got some uh, suggestions from our viewers as well. Uh, Kane thought Headhunter would be a good movie. Um, I could see that as well because you don't have everything spelled out spelled out for you with with Headhunter. I will say though, I was really disappointed with Headhunter. I expected a little more. Um, we got Kevin uh, chimed in, who let him back in. By the way, I thought he was banned, but he uh, says that Saw would be a good choice. And uh, Todd said that uh, he would pair it with Ghost Story, all of which are are really good suggestions. Yeah. All right, so this leads us to our next segment, and uh, I hope you guys are ready. We have gotten more phone calls uh, this week than we ever have before, so we've got awesome. some some uh, some pull-ins. We're going to start first with uh, Terrell. Um, Terrell was the one that picked this movie. This movie was actually uh, one of his GoFundMe donation picks, uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into Tales from the Phone Line. Kitties, it's your old putrid body. Uh, buddy, the Crypt Keeper here. It seems I get to introduce a segment on a low-budget podcast where unsuspecting victims call in and let their shrieks be heard. <laughs> oh, the fear of it all. But you know how the old saying goes, the marg, the marrier. <laughs> Tell us all your fears in a piece we like to call Tales from the Phone Line. <laughs> hey, this is Terrell. I just wanted to call and say a few things about my GoFundMe pick, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. 
um, it's been a good while since I watched this movie. So um, I just did like a little Google search to kind of refresh myself. But I remember um, being suggested this movie, and I'd heard good things about it. So when I watched it, I, when I went in completely blind, didn't know what was going to happen, and uh, I thought it was a real fun ride. Um, I like the plot a whole lot, uh, which is funny because I've been listening to the, the podcast Lore recently, and it has a lot to do with the Salem Witch Trials and um, and how these people were thought to be witches just because they were different than everybody else. And uh, so, of course, the plot of the autopsy of Jane Doe is that uh, this girl was a witch, but she only became a witch because uh, uh, because she was killed <laughs> by these people that thought she was a witch. And um, so the other thing I like is how there is use of illusions in this movie uh, to where some things really didn't happen, but only to the main characters. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the another movie called Oculus, where kind of the same things happen, where it could have just been somebody that was crazy. Uh, things were only happening in their mind. Um, and then also, I like at the end how when the police come in, they kind of find the same scene and situation as when the movie started. Just the body laying there with other dead people. So the body would just move on and uh, carry on to somebody else. And basically the same process will start over again. So I thought that was pretty cool. But anyways, uh, hope you guys had fun watching it and reviewing it. And thanks again. Bye. So yeah, thank you so much, Terrell. We we appreciate uh, you know you're throwing money at us and actually picking a good movie for us to watch. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, and he brings up some good points. Uh, you know, Oculus is another great uh, option for this to be uh, partnered with. It does have some similarities to it, um, and it does. It, the movie ends pretty much the same way it started. Now that does uh, brought a question to to my mind. Listening to him with that. Um, was that the same cat from the movie that we heard in his voicemail? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, do you know the question that it did bring to my mind though, was do you think she would ever, ever fully come back or has this body just been for the last 400 years moving on and on and on and on? Do you think uh, she would ever fully come back? Hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. Is she that strong? Is she that powerful? I don't know. You know, I I, I kind of get the impression that as she's being discovered and she and she seems to pass on a little bit of her curse, taking away uh, the humanity and and the um, uh, uh, the living uh, into herself. Um, something tells me that if she does it enough times, she may be kind of building herself back up to come back to fully come back because her eyes do uncloud all her scars and everything all heal and stuff like that and we do get a toe movement uh, at the end of the movie so kind of to me anyway says that yeah she could probably come back okay 
All right. Uh, listen, Kane, thank you so much. Uh, have a good night, Steve. You have a good night as well. Hope you enjoy the movie. Uh, we're going to get to your voicemail in a second. Um, but yeah, that, that's all great points, guys. Uh, now, we stole, a, a, well, I'm sorry, we borrowed something from Straight Chillin' Podcast as well. Um, that we we weren't getting a lot of phone calls, so we're trying to entice people to, to call in. And to do that, we've started to uh, pose questions. We want you guys to answer a question. Last video, we went ahead and our question was, what was your favorite black and white movie? Because we reviewed a black and white movie last week. or Yeah, last week we wanted to see what everybody else uh, really enjoyed. So here are some of the voicemails uh, from that question. So favorite movie. Um, black and white horror, I'm going to have to say The Wolfman. Boom. You also lost the game. So that was Steve. Uh, his favorite black and white movie was The Wolfman. Uh, Bob, do you have a favorite black and white movie? Oh, sorry. Chris, let's go with you. Did you have a favorite black and white movie? <laughs> um, well, not to uh, point it out, but I'm going to point it out. Uh, it was favorite black and white movie pre-1968 and didn't have to be hard um, was, was the official thing. Uh, I actually don't really have a favorite black and white <laughs> black and white movie that's not Young Frankenstein. So okay. Young Frankenstein was definitely not prior 1968. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh shit, Kevin's right. <laughs> Clerks also not before 1968. Uh, Bob, yeah, have- I know it's still black and white. Favorite black? Yeah, and white I think I think I'd have to go with probably like House on Haunted Hill. I think, you know, classic Vincent Price movie is probably my favorite black and white. All right. It's my go-to every Halloween anyways. I wonder if anybody else is going to pick House on Haunted Hill in our voicemails. So, <laughs> Next voicemail is from Roseanne. Let's hear what she had to, to pick. Um, good evening, guys. Just I'll let you know the my favorite um, black and white horror movie would have to be The Creatures in the Black Lagoon. Love the underwater scenes. Have a great evening. Thank you. She went with the the full classic uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Nice. Um, I have a, a friend uh, down here. That's his favorite uh, movie, just in general. Just his favorite movie is uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, let's see. Julia was another one that called in with her favorite voicemail. Let's see what Julia had to say. My favorite pre nineteen sixty eight black and white movie has to be The Fly with Vincent Price. What an earthly horror did that girl gaze upon. Yeah, that one. Uh, we think we're going to get a couple of Vincent Price movies in here. Did you guys have a favorite Vincent Price? Just Don't keep me in general Vincent Price movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just anything that, that he's done. Because I know wow. he's popping into a few of them. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not going House on Haunted Hill, just to pick another one, I, I really love The Tingler. I I. Love that, that was movie. him, yeah. The Tingler. I, I don't think him? I knew that. Yeah. No, no, I don't, I don't think I knew that. No, that that's super, that's super cool. Good. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Terrell called in uh, <laughs> to tell us his favorite pre nineteen sixty eight black and white. Hey, this is Terrell. You guys wanted us to call in with our favorite black and white horror movie. Um, full disclosure: I haven't watched very many black and white horror movies. But uh, there was this stint where I uh, was interested in the I Am Legend 
uh, stories. So I found out, you know, there was three different movies. The Last Man on Earth is black and white uh, Vincent Price version. Then there's the Omega Man, which is the Charlton Huston version. And then, of course, Will Smith in the I Am Legend version. So uh, I wanted to watch all of them back-to-back, see the differences and everything, and all the intricacies. And uh, so, yeah, The Last Man on Earth uh, is one of the black-and-white movies that first comes to mind, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I also liked Mega Man 2. It was just it was fun how they changed up things a little bit and tweaked them. But I love the uh, the real sense of dread, The Last Man on Earth. Uh, it came across really well, and it was a really, really creepy movie. Um, but yeah, that's it, Last Man on Earth. Uh, if I had to say a number two black and white movie, I'm not sure the year on it, but it's probably Young Frankenstein. It's a classic. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched too many black and white movies. Well, there you have it. All right, thanks. Bye. One of our listeners actually just said that Bob's favorite black and white movie is actually Eraserhead. <laughs> Whoever that is knows they're full of shit. <laughs> uh, all right, we have two more to go through. I forgot uh, Terrell likes to, to read us a novel when he calls in. <laughs> Not that we're complaining. Thank you so much, Terrell. We really appreciate uh, I'm, the support. I, I'm, I'm actually complaining. <laughs> I really enjoy the support. You've done a lot for this podcast, and we really appreciate you. Next up, we have John calling in with his favorite uh, black and white movie, and I think I have to turn the volume down for this one because he's kind of loud. You so. may. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is John. My favorite movie of all time, sort of, is a 1939 version of The Tower of London with Vincent Price, Ian Hunter, Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, and uh, Vincent Price, I said, I said that before. One of the reasons that it uh, made an impression because it has to deal with the Tower of London, which back in those days was the uh, uh, royal domicile. They kept, the kings lived there. And they, uh, Vincent Price portrayed Richard III, and he was trying to get rid of his brothers uh, so that he can be uh, the only king and no other competition and Boris Karloff was the executioner that dispatched all these brothers uh, in different fashions. Uh, it, it, I must have seen the picture about six times, and uh, I highly recommend it. Thank you. All right. Yeah, I didn't even th- I didn't even think of the of Tower of London. That had so many great classic people in there, like he mentions. And Chris, I've never you're seen that one. I gotta add yeah, it to no. I, I was just gonna say I just saw the eraser head comment. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually gonna say, would anybody believe that is the voice of a ninety-year-old man? Wow. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to my father. He just turned ninety yesterday. So yeah. hey, happy could birthday, not, awesome. Could not be with him uh, in Florida for obvious reasons, but uh, uh, you know, I gave him a phone call and you know made him feel older so that's what uh, that's what a good son does (laughs) (laughs) you're a horrible horrible person i am i'm a horrible son all right and our last voicemail for our fun segment is from mad dog let's see what he has to say 
Hello, Mike. This is Mad Dog. I just wanted to call and tell you you excluded my favorite Night of the Living Dead, which was 1968. Before that, in 1959, I was 10 years old and went to the movies to see House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price and black and white. Could have been in color, but like, uh, but just like Night of the Living Dead, the artist chose to make it in uh, black and white instead of color. Same kind of thing, but I was so terrified I had to get up and leave. I didn't get to see the whole movie. Uh, I went back and saw it again at the movies when I was about 15, and it was still terrifying, but I managed to watch the whole thing. But that was probably one of my favorite early black and white horror pictures. You guys are doing great. Have a nice night. I'm looking forward to the podcast. Bye. Thanks, Mad Dog. Uh, Mad Dog, actually, it looks like he's watching us right now. Uh, and he said he forgot to mention the acid vat in the basement and the head in the hat box. It was uh, very scary for a 10-year-old. I could imagine. Yeah. Sure. And Bob, you said House on Haunted Hill was, was your pick, right? Yeah. I love that movie, man. William Castle, the director, is one of my favorite directors of all time. He's just like a very interesting person in general in show business. Um, even if you take him outside of like the director's chair, just all like the extra uh, gimmicks that he put into, you know, making his movies and stuff. Like specifically uh, regarding House on Haunted Hill, I forget what he called it. If it was like Terror Vision or you know hypervision or spectrovision or whatever i don't know he, he always had like a, a gimmick that he would pair with his movies but for this movie whatever he called it he would he would actually have like a skeleton fly across the ceiling you know when you're sitting in the movie theater watching the movie um and i wondered if mad dog ex got to experience one of those shows with a skeleton flying across the ceiling that 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 to me is the coolest stuff i i, I love that so much uh kind of nerd out over it um yeah, yeah. great movie though when they used to do like the the puffs of air in your face and yeah. you know weird things running underneath the the seats, yeah, that was I would have loved to have seen a movie like the that. original 4D experience or whatever yep. you want to call it, you know. Yeah, exactly. We we saw the uh, the last Star Wars movie in that 4D, and aside from the fact of the chairs make you sit back like this almost the entire time, yeah. it it was kind of interesting. You know, it was it, getting to be pulled into it with the, the air in your face, the things that are hitting against your, your legs and stuff like that. I, that that's kind of cool. Excellent. Well, that that did it for our voicemails uh, for this episode. Chris, uh, I charged you with coming up with the question for the next uh, episode. What's our next question for everybody? You did. You absolutely did. Now, since we talk a lot about horror and stuff like that, and I still consider this a great deal of sci-fi that is inside horror. So I wanted people to let us know what they think the worst sci-fi slash horror movie is that they have seen. 13 Ghosts. Tell us why it's... The <laughs> uh, there's got to be worse. I know you've seen worse movies than that, Michael. You don't, don't lie. <laughs> he, Everybody knows it. He defaults it. to it. Everybody knows it. He defaults <laughs> to it. It's it's immediate. That's the, the first thing out of his mouth. 13 Ghosts. Well, that doesn't matter. The remake is the worst movie ever freaking made. Don't get me started on that one. No, no, no. You have made us watch at least two movies that are definitely worse than that. I know you're lying. Everybody knows you're lying. 
Mm-mm. Curse, Curse of the, the Cannibal, Cannibal Confederates. Confederates is worse than the remake of 13 Ghosts. Facts. No, that was more enjoyable. <laughs> nah, sorry. All right, so worst uh, horror sci-fi movie ever made. We're, we're actually, worst sci-fi horror. I want sci-fi to be the top bill on that one. So okay. definitely has to be some kind of sci-fi alien, you know, whatever. As long as it's sci-fi and horror. Sci-fi and horror, not sci-fi yep. or horror. Correct. Sci-fi and horror. Ah, crap. So I can't do 13. Well, maybe 13 ghosts. You got those glasses. The technology brings it to a, a hey, sci-fi there you level. Go. arguable arguable all right so uh this is where we usually tell you guys what our next movie is going to be but as per todd we wanted to kind of give one of our new patreon subscribers and uh one of our new listeners uh a feeling like he's part of the the family um he kind of gave us an idea for uh our next movie or our next uh episode we tend to defend i tend to defend pg-13 horror movie i i don't think a rating should dictate if it's a good movie or not. And there are several in the horror community who will not watch a PG-13 horror movie because it won't have the elements that a horror movie should have, at least according to to them. Uh, I tend to defend PG-13 horror. Um, Todd heard that whole discussion. He likes the the idea, and he wants us to pick our top five um, PG-13 horror movies and discuss them. So I think that's going to be our next episode, Chris. You're going to have to do some homework. We don't necessarily need to watch a movie, but we're going to discuss our top five um, PG-13 horrors. I think we'll do it in the uh, top five countdown. I'll do my top five. You have your top five. We'll alternate back and forth like we usually do with our top of the year. And then we'll end with our number one uh, episodes. Sounds good to me. All right. So before we get into our stuff, Bob, tell everybody about yourself, where they can find you and all that fun stuff. Yeah, um, my name's Bob. I'm from Straight Chilling Podcast. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Play, whatever. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at str8 underscore chilling. We're on Instagram at Straight Chilling Podcast. We've got a website, straightchillingpodcast.com. Really, if you just search Straight Chilling with a G podcast anywhere, you'll find us. Uh, drop us a line, check us out. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on, guys. By the way, I know uh, you had Justin on not long ago. And now you had me. Uh, we really appreciate uh, being involved with with what you guys going on have going on over here at uh, Horror Apocalypse. You guys are making some great content, and uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. You don't have to lie, to people. We saw yeah. It. Did you pay him for that? <laughs> I think what you guys are doing is great. I think you should also think that. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, we I, don't do know. I, th- I think you're fun. doing a good job. You guys, yeah. you guys have like the video going. Like, now you got to dial it in, man. You nice, gotta, thank you. Looks, well, thank you. Really good, yeah. We uh, and for us, um, you can wherever you find quality podcasts like Straight Chilling, you can also find us for some reason. Um, we're out there. <laughs> we're on the web. Um, our website at uh, horrorapocalypse.com is down right now because stupid me erased the po- the the whole website and I just can't bring myself to rebuild it. I look at the every so often I go to the website, I look and I just groan because it's so much work and I just don't want to do it. I need to find somebody that I can throw a hundred bucks at and say, here, build my website. But other than that, 
Um, guys, thank you so much for, for listening. Thank you so much for staying in. If you want to hang out with us, Bob, Chris and I usually hang out and talk for a little bit afterwards. You guys that are watching, you're more than welcome to hang out with us as well. Uh, if not, thank you so much, and I hope you guys have a great night. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No thanks. Don't mind me. I'ma just grab my stuff and leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right then. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I don't really care. I'ma get the fuck up out of here. Fuck this shit, I'm out.